Hey, remember when Donald Trump hired Rex Tillerson as Secretary of State and the left said that the appointment was proof of Trump's collusion with Russia because Tillerson had done business in Russia with Exxon? Well, Trump has now fired Rex Tillerson and the left says that it's proof of Trump's collusion with Russia because Tillerson accused Vladimir Putin of poisoning a spy in Britain. Trump, meanwhile, has moved the CIA director, Mike Pompeo, to state and he's appointed the first woman to run the CIA. We have an exclusive interview with her. Natasha, did we got secret agent rocket kit? I don't know, darling. Let me look in pocketbook. Here is poison lipstick. What shade? Kiss of death pink. I prefer black widow black or vampire violet. Some booby pins for setting booby traps. Ah. Autograph picture of Benedict Arnold. Good old Benny. And the membership card in PTA. PTA? Like parents and teachers? No, darling. Like in pickpocket and thieves. Okay, that doesn't look so good. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I go hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is zippity-zing. It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray, oh, hooray. Just kidding about Natasha. Don't get, don't start sending me all these comments. You rotten, you hate Donald Trump. Uh, Christian Toto is with us, a great movie critic, going to talk about, he has written this really good piece about just how nasty Hollywood has become and why. And meanwhile, meanwhile, before that comes, you'll want to get stamps.com. Why, you say? Well, because the post office is something we all need, we all use it, but you want it in your computer. You don't want to have to run down there and depend on when they're open and wait online or anything like that. You can just have every good thing that the post office offers in your computer. It's the easiest way. Stamps.com is the easiest way to access all the amazing services of the post office. You can uh, find out the exact amount of postage you want every time so you never underpay or overpay again. You can create your stamps.com account in minutes online with no equipment to lease and no long-term commitments. You just click print mail and you're done. I like it. That's one of the things I love about it. I just actually, I'm still, I'm still living in the other age. You know, I actually love the fact that I can put an envelope into my computer, into my printer, and it comes out with a stamp on it. It's like, to me, that's still magic. Stamps.com will bring you all the amazing services of the U.S. Postal Service to your fingertips. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail using your own computer and printer. Right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale, which helps you get the uh, amount of stamps you need right. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Clavin. Now, I know because you haven't got stamps.com, you're probably licking your stamps and you're saying, hey, Clavin. Well, it's K-L-A-V-A-N, stamps.com, enter Clavin, get the post office in your computer where it belongs. So we're going to get to the firing of Rex Tillerson and everything and the rest. But first, I have to, there's one thing I have to talk about. You know, when I was a kid in school, they used to have something called current events. I don't know if they do this anymore, but it was to teach you to read the newspaper. Everybody would have to come in and report on a story. Maybe, you know, you do it only on Thursday or whatever, but I would read the newspaper every day. And we, in my house, we got the New York Times and I would read the New York Times. And in those days, it was still a newspaper. And I noticed as a little kid, I'm talking like in sixth grade, 
I noticed that your eyes naturally went to stories that upset you. Your eyes naturally went and you naturally read stories that made you angry or that you thought were stupid or where somebody said something that was absurd. And nowadays, what they have, and I noticed that right away, and I thought, like, well, you got to kind of guard against that so you're not always getting ticked off and you don't think the world is worse than it is. Nowadays, they have, you know, social media, which is actually geared to do exactly that. So, you know, some clown on Twitter who's never done anything or been anywhere or, and he doesn't know anything about anything, says something crazy and it becomes a news story. You know, you, you suddenly go like, people on Twitter are saying that women are really men spelled backwards. And you go, oh my God, the world is, what's, it's going to hell. And, you know, I think like, eh, it's six guys, some crazy guy lives with his mom in the basement. He's sending stuff out on Twitter. So I don't like to go to stuff that upsets you right away unless, unless it is representative. Hillary Clinton, and after all, Hillary Clinton is not some clown on Twitter. Hillary Clinton was the Democrats nominee for president of the United States got more actual people vote to vote for her than Donald Trump did. She gave an interview in Mumbai, I guess it was in India. And she was asked once again, why she, there's one thing that Hillary Clinton is an expert on. She doesn't know anything about, you know, uh, uh, international affairs. She doesn't know anything about governing. She doesn't know anything about America. But she, if you ask her why she lost the election, she is an expert. Listen to this, her latest explanation. What the map doesn't show you is that I won the places that represent two-thirds of America's gross domestic product. So I won the places that are optimistic, diverse, dynamic, moving <laughs> forward, and his whole campaign, Make America Great Again, was looking backwards. You know, you didn't like black people getting rights. You don't like women, you know, getting jobs. You don't want to, you know, see that Indian American succeeding more than you are. Whatever your problem is, I'm going to solve it. So it was a symptom, but it was also a cause because having someone run for president who voices those ideas, who rejects so much of the American story and our values, was also the underlying cause as well. You know, I didn't realize until I heard that how much you people stink. You really are deplorable. You are deplorable. She's right. I mean, you don't like black people. You don't like women. You hate India. You know, that, that is so cynical of her that she's talking to Indian people. Like, obviously, she's in Mumbai. And she says, oh, you know, Donald Trump, the people who supported Donald Trump, they hated those Indian Americans. I know. I know. That's what you were sitting there going like, Hillary or Donald. Well, you know, if I vote for Hillary, there's going to be an Indian American going to come in to my workplace. I knew that's what you were really thinking. This, you know, what is amazing about this is if this were just this old, you know, later on she went and she fell down a flight of steps and I was thinking, I don't know why she, you know, maybe she's old, maybe she's on drugs, maybe, you know, some medication or something like this. All I know is when I lived in England, all my friends were always falling down and they show up with black eyes and, you know, bro broken ankles. And I'd say, what happened? Well, I fell down. And then I realized everybody in England is an alcoholic. <laughs> the entire country is drunk from beginning to end, you know? And so that's, that's why they fell down. I don't know if that's what's happening with Hillary, but, but she she represents, she does represent the people who voted for her and the people who support her in hating the rest of America. And we I just pulled this together and asked the guys here to make a little montage. And this is just from, I think it's just from yesterday, it may be two days, of the way people talk about Donald Trump, his supporters, and, and the situation in Washington. This is just a montage of commentary from the last day or maybe two. Listen to this. Whenever he goes out there and whips up like it's a Mussolini rally. 
And I know what the NRA likes to do, it, the people at the top of the NRA like to do, is they like to hide behind the Second Amend Amendment and say that this is our constitutional right, we're Americans. And what they're really trying to do is say, let us sell you more guns at an even younger age, put more people at risk, scare more people, cause more violence, kill more people, and sell more guns. I don't think he's capable of the basic empathies that we feel as human beings, and that's what a sociopath is. I think everything is immediately translated to me. I don't think, I'm not inside him, but everything I know and know him for 20 years, when we see children dying, we as humans, we as parents, feel a certain way. I actually do doesn't think it translates to him, and that's what makes him a sociopath. Well, they're acting like, um, you know, slimy political operatives, not moral leaders. You're slimy, you're sociopathic, you're, you know, there was one guy in there, we didn't put him in there, there was one guy who'd actually been in a concentration camp in Germany, and he said living in Trump's America is like living in a concentration camp. So, if people feel this way about you, how can they ever understand what it is you actually think? I mean, part of this, this, this pathology on the left about race has a lot to do with this, that if you say, well, you know, Barack Obama's kind of a leftist, and they say, well, you just say that because he's racist. If they're always thinking about race, how can they ever hear what you're saying if you're not talking about race at all? And so they, they interpret everything in an entire, how can we ever have a conversation when that's what they think of you, when they think that you want people to die, that you're, you know, Van Jones, I have to, I'll just end this, this opening with putting on Van Jones. Van Jones is now so upset living in your America, the America that you wanted and that you voted for, that he's begging Oprah Winfrey. And, and listen to this, he's begging Oprah Winfrey to come down from above and save us. We had you, we had the Obamas in the White House. So even on a bad day, you had a North Star, you had some hope. And then it was like the universe just said, sight, and <laughs> throw us in the toilet and close the lid. And now we're just stuck in this crazy situation. We have each other, we have each other. Tell me about that. And this is the thing, I think I have to just say, Please say. everybody is feeding yourself on the hysteria and the negativity. Talk you gotta it. stay in the light. But one of the reasons why I was so excited is about A Wrinkle in Time, because the message is that the darkness is spreading so fast these days. You must become a warrior of the light. <laughs> Stay in the light. Stay, oh, and see my movie. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to miss my movie if you want to be in the light. I mean, this is this is the world that they are living in. They are living in this world of utter disaster. And that brings us to the latest in the Russia scandal. Uh, you know, yesterday, the Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee, without telling the Democrats, said that they were going to release a report saying that they did not find any evidence of collusion on either side, and they believed the intelligence community was wrong in saying that the Russians were supporting Donald Trump, that they were just trying to sow chaos. And Devin Nunes, or Nunez, or Nunes, or Nunes, what the hell is this man's name? Does anybody, does he know, does he know what his name is? I've not, nobody pronounces it. Call the guy's mother, find out what his Nunez, let's just stop saying, sorry. Uh, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So they didn't send Devin, Devin Nunes out to report this because nobody knows how to pronounce his name. So instead, they sent Mike Conaway. And this is his summation of what their findings are. This is cut four. We've reached that point where we've interviewed all the folks we need to. We've, we've looked at some 300,000 documents, 73 interviews uh, that we've done across the course of the state, trying to answer the four questions that were originally set out for the committee to, uh, to, to answer. Uh, yes, the Russians tried to interfere with our, uh, with our, invest with our election process. 
exist. Yes, they uh, had cyber attacks, active measures going on. We could find no evidence of collusion between either campaign uh, and the Russians. Uh, and we also have some recommendations, we'll have recommendations that speak to what we do with elections going forward, how important it is for Americans to be on guard on, on, a, on a process that's sacred to our democracy, our, our representative republic, quite frankly, and that is the uh, electing of leadership uh, across this country. But on the, the big piece of the puzzle that everybody has been talking about, which is one of the reasons why your investigation was struck in the first place, no collusion that you found. No evidence. No evidence no of evidence collusion, of collusion. between right. the Trump campaign and the Russians. Or the, how, how, or the uh, Clinton campaign. So th this is why people don't trust Fox News, because he has the guy there. He doesn't even ask the tough question, how do you pronounce Devin Nunes' name? <laughs> so we never get to the bottom of this. Anyway, so of course, it, all this does is continue the left-right divide because the Democrats immediately say, oh, we were wrong-sided. They're saying we were, uh, you know, we haven't gotten to release our report. We're going to change this report entirely. It doesn't matter. The networks didn't cover it. They covered it for like a minute. They gave it a full coverage. Molly Hemingway, who I usually love, was saying, oh, this is very important. It clears Trump. It doesn't clear Trump. It obviously is. As It's a political move. It's a political move saying we're, we're not getting anywhere. It's going to be a, um, it's going to be a, politicized partisan operation, so why keep doing it? Really, it's the Bob Mueller thing that happens. Uh, the most concise and uh, nuanced and intelligent and restrained um, commentary came from Phil Mudd on CNN. Here he is, cut three. Most of what the U.S. intelligence community concluded in January of last year, but they don't accept the conclusion that Putin actually was trying to help Trump win the election. Uh, can you tell me why? Why they say that? They just told us that they conducted an investigation, including interviews, where the interviewees chose not to answer questions. How the heck can they say they got to the bottom of this when they didn't interview people because people came to the table and said, we're not answering? Second question, two parts of any investigation, interviews and technical information. Is there any evidence that they had the capability to look at phone, email, text, financial records, the same stuff Robert Mueller's looking at? I saw no evidence of that. Third question, their primary responsibility is, was not determining culpability for wrongdoing in the last election. That's Robert Mueller. Their responsibility was not to represent party, Democrat or Republican, but to represent people. How do we protect the next election? In the last 30 minutes, Wolf, you give me one sentence where somebody spoke about how they're going to protect us instead of saying this is why the other party did something wrong. If this report were written on toilet paper, I wouldn't stoop to wipe my ass with it. These people owe us more. <laughs> <laughs> Phil is losing his mind. <laughs> he wouldn't, I wouldn't wipe my ass. That's the way when you turn to CNN, you really, you, but that's why they say you get to the bottom of things, I guess. <laughs> Just unbelievable, unbelievable. So this has solved nothing and has changed nothing because we're all seeing different things. I mean, when they hate you the way they hate you, they cannot see anything. You cannot have a conversation with them. Phil Mudd needs to get some exercise. So do you. That's why you should get yourself a Peloton bike. I went and checked this thing out. I drove over to Century City, which is uh, about, I don't know, it's maybe a mile and a half away. So in L.A., that's four hours of driving. And I drove over there to look at this thing. This is not, you know, it's not just an exercise bike. It's not just a stationary bike. It is really something different because it's an entire experience. First of all, the thing is so, is built so it doesn't occupy a lot of space. It sits uh, in a very small area of space. So you can put it in your bedroom. You can put it in any corner of your house. It also is 
done with, they do it with belts, so it's completely silent. It's really amazing. So, for instance, if your spouse is asleep and you want to do your exercise and the thing is in the bedroom, you can do it. It's just totally quiet. But the really important thing is that it comes with a TV screen and a subscription that you pay for the subscription when you buy the bike, where you get classes, live classes, or you can record classes of, of how, you know, how to work out. You can do all kinds of different things, and you're part of a community. You know, it's like all these other people are doing this at the same time you are. So you don't have to worry about fitting classes in your busy schedule. You don't have to say, oh, how, especially in L.A., how am I going to drive to the studio? The studio comes to you. You get a 22-inch uh, high-def touchscreen. It's, this, like I said, it's nearly silent, and it's just, it's just a beautifully built piece of machinery. You can discover this cutting-edge indoor cycling bike that brings the studio experience to your home. Peloton is offering listeners a limited-time offer. Go to, to OnePeloton.com. I'll spell that for you. It's O-N-E-P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com. And enter the code CLAVEN at checkout, and you'll be on the bike, and you'll say... <laughs> How do you spell Clavin? But it's K-L-A-V-A-N. And if you enter that at checkout, not only will they remain our sponsors and we can keep doing what we're doing, but you'll also get $100 off accessories with your Peloton bike purchase. Get a great workout at home anytime you want. Go to OnePeloton.com and use the code Clavin and get started. It's very cool. I mean, because you not only get the classes, you can have a, a race, you know, they can put you in another city and all this. So it's an actual whole, whole experience instead of just a machine. So... Rex Tillerson has been fired, right? And I have to say, this is this is one of the stuff I cannot support Donald Trump. And he fired him in a tweet. Tillerson said he had no idea. He reads the tweet, you're fired. I mean, that's no way to treat people. It is no way to treat people. And it's one of the things that makes it hard, you know, even though I'm not going to cede an inch to the left over Donald Trump's policies, which have been really excellent, behavior like that does make it hard. You know, it makes it hard to give him your full support. You don't fire a guy like that. But the thing about Rex Tillerson is he was not, somehow Tillerson and Trump just never hit it off. Maybe they're, they're both kind of the same person. They're both these big businessmen who think a lot of themselves and they're both kind of alpha types. And they just bumped into each other and they somehow Tillerson never got the ear of Donald Trump. So he, he got rid of him uh, because you can't be an effective secretary of state without doing it. Mike Pompeo, brilliant guy, good guy. I like him. I think he is a step up. And he talked about, Trump talked about why Tillerson was fired as he was talking to reporters as cut two. Rex and I have been talking about this for a long time. Uh, we, we got along actually quite well, but we disagreed on things. When you look at uh, the Iran deal, I think it's terrible. I guess he fit, it was okay. I wanted to either break it or do something, and he felt a little bit differently. So we were not really thinking the same. So this has been going on a long time, and they've never, and he's absolutely right, they've never really made it together. And how can you be Secretary of State? How can people negotiate with you and be, if, if they don't think you have the ear of the President of the United States? It doesn't really work. The timing, I have to say, was a little bit bad. There is a story going on in Britain that is a genuinely bad story. A spy who had been, he was a double agent, he was a Soviet spy, but he was a double agent. And we traded him for some spies that we, the Americans, had caught. And he went to live in England with his daughter, and he was poisoned. He's, he's still alive, but he's in critical condition. He was poisoned with his daughter by a nerve agent uh, that was only made by the Russians. And they're supposed to have dumped these things, but of course they never did. And Theresa May, there's been a, the Prime Minister of England, of Great Britain, they have done a 
a, done the research, they've identified this poison, they know pretty much that the Russians did it. Here's Theresa May talking in the parliament. It is highly likely that Russia was responsible for the act against Sergei and Yulia Skripal. Mr. Speaker, there are therefore only two plausible explanations. Either this was a direct act by the Russian state against our country, or the Russian government lost control of its potentially catastrophically damaging nerve agent. I have to say, by the way, I mean, Putin, this is one of the reasons that people attack Trump, because he's not harder on Putin personally. Trump, Trump's policies have been very tough on Russia. If only his full throttle uh, acquisition of energy, of oil and gas, which is the only thing that keeps Russia moving, the only thing they have. They don't have any business. They don't have any capitalism. They don't have the stuff that makes a country. All they have is the oil that they're selling to the rest of the world. So if we bring the price of oil down and we become a major supplier to the EU, Putin loses all his power. So Trump is really undermining the guy, but he will never attack him personally. And Putin is a thug and a murderer. And Russia, Russia is such a tragedy. It is such a tragedy. You know, they, did you ever see the movie Room? You ever see the film Room? It's a, it's, it's a very touching movie. I liked it. It's based on a novel. And it's about this one of these women who is kidnapped by one of these madmen and stuck in a, a room. And he just comes in and sexually abuses her, sexually uses her. And she gets pregnant and she has a little boy. And when we join the story, she's in the room with her son, whom she loves, and she has taught him that the room is the world. And when she sees a chance to escape, she has to explain to him the room is not the world. There's an actual world out there, and everything she's told him is a lie. And he rebels. He says, no, you know, this is the room. The room is everything. That's Russia. That is Russia. They were surrounded by this philosophy. They were told that they were heroically going into the future with communism. It was bringing the new paradise. They had uh, values. They, had, uh, they knew what virtue was. Virtue was to support this vision. They knew why they were suffering, why they weren't getting materials. They knew why people were being killed by Stalin. It was also support this vision. And then one day, boom, it fell apart and it turned out the world is not the room. The world is not communism. Socialism doesn't work. Communism doesn't work. All the things that were taught were wrong. And you say to them, great, now you're free. You're out of the room. Well, in the movie, that might work. But in real life, people just felt as if the entire fabric of reality and morality had been stripped away from them. And so for, for a, a moment there, they looked like they were going to be free. There were some freedom fight fighters in the streets. Boris Yeltsin was just not the guy. He was a drunk and he wasn't, wasn't fully committed to the vision of a new democratic republic of, uh, of Russia. He couldn't pull it off. Putin just moved in and he played his cards perfectly. He was a ex-KGB guy. He knew that people hated the Jews. He knew they had that old uh, religious sense. He played on all the old religious uh, prejudices they had. He, he brought the conspiracy idea. He understood. He understood not to imitate the Soviets by silencing the news. What he did was he basically... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, castrated the news. He basically, it looks as if you can get news in Russia, but you can't. It's really, they'll tell you an honest story simply to sell Putin propaganda. And basically he sold off, he, he sold off and Russia sold off all the state's assets that the communists had acquired. They sold them off they auctioned them off to gangsters and they gave them away. So now you have these Russian billionaires, these oligarchs, 
but everybody else is back where they were, basically, and they have no freedom, and Putin will reach out and kill you dead wherever you are. And that is what happened in Britain. It deserves the deepest condemnation. You know, Trump should definitely come out and hammer them. And, and Sarah Sanders, after Theresa May made that statement, she came out, and it was a little weak sauce. She says, we're going to support him, but she repeatedly refused to name Russia and blame them. Here she is. We've been monitoring the incident closely, take it very seriously. The use of a highly lethal nerve agent against UK citizens on UK soil is an outrage. The attack was reckless, indiscriminate, and irresponsible. We offer the fullest condemnation, and we extend our sympathy to the victims and their families and our support to the UK government. We stand by our closest ally in the special relationship that we have. So you're, you're not saying that Russia was behind this Right now, um, we are standing with our UK ally. I think they're still working through uh, even some of the details of that. And we're going to continue to work with the UK, and we certainly stand with them uh, throughout this process. Theresa May said it was either uh, Russia using it uh, themselves or that it will given its chemical weapons to a third party uh, to murder a British citizen, uh, the latter being highly unlikely given the, <coughs> given the, the, given the nature of this, of this weapon. So, it, Like I just said, Zeke, we stand with our ally and we certainly fully support them and are uh, ready if we can be of any assistance to them. So Tillerson, so that was pretty weak because obviously the, the Brits have the Russians or, or Theresa May would not be saying that out in, in Parliament. She said either, either they poisoned him or they've lost control of one of the most dangerous nerve agents on earth. Tillerson said, I have full confidence in the UK's investigation and its assessment that Russia was likely responsible for the nerve agent attack. And we agree that those responsible, both those who committed the crime and those who ordered it, must face appropriately serious consequences. In the next moment, there's a tweet, you're fired. <laughs> and it just doesn't look good. Listen, I actually believe, I actually believe the Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee that there was no collusion by either the Clinton campaign or the Trump campaign. They both did things that link back to Russia. They both had meetings they shouldn't have had. They both used, uh, they used the um, uh, Steele dossier in ways, the Clinton campaign used the Steele dossiers in ways that were wrong. I think the Justice Department used it in ways that were wrong. But I don't think either of them, really, I don't, said, oh, I know, Russia is trying to help do this. I'm going to help them out. That would be what collusion would be like. They may have <clears throat> not always acted as we would hope they would act, but I just don't believe this. I believe this story is a basic conspiracy theory cooked up by Clinton and the and Obama supporters to delegitimize Donald Trump. I do not think he deserves that, but I do think <clears throat> that he ought to start to understand who Vladimir Putin is. Vladimir Putin is a gangster and a thug, and you cannot make friends with the guy. He, he is the scorpion, and if you ride on his back, he's going to do what scorpions do. Dollar Shave Club. I have been a subscriber to Dollar Shave Club since long before they became a sponsor. And people, you know, they kind of always want you to say on these things that that the old kind of blades you would get that were disposable blades uh, didn't give you a good shave, but that's not true. I would go to the store and I would get a disposable blade and I'd open up the thing and the alarm would go off and two security guys would wrestle me to the ground. They'd call the police, they'd carry me off, they'd put me in prison overnight. I'd spend the night fending off, you know, the approach of a guy named Shiv with a tattoo on his neck that said Death Race 2000. And then I would come home, I'd be released, finally I'd come home and I'd shave with a disposable blade and it was okay, you know, it was okay. But I wanted an excellent shave. You know, I wanted a really good shave. And I thought spending a night in prison, I could do without that as well. So I joined the Dollar Shave Club. And what they do is they send you excellent razors every month and, and a lot of accessories too, if you want them. It's really easy. It's not just razors. 
They have, it's better, and it's better than shopping in a store. You just go on your computer, you press what you want. If you want to skip a month, you skip a month. But they come to your door, and some of their shavers, and listen, listen, one thing I know about is shaving, because I got a lot of real estate to shave, and some of their razors, their executive one that I use sometimes, it just will give you a fantastic shave. It has, I think, 183 blades. And so you start shaving at about six in the morning. Even after you put it down, it is still shaving your head. That's how many blades it has. They deliver you everything you need to look, smell, and feel your best. And for a mind Mind-blowing experience. If you join Dollar Shave Club today for just $5 with free shipping, you'll get a six-blade executive razor plus trial sizes of shave butter, which is really cool because you can see what you're shaving, body cleanser, and one-wipe Charlie's, also known as the, Demo the Republicans report. Uh, <laughs> never mind. But then, then you can keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash Clavin, that's dollarshaveclub.com slash Clavin. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how do you spell Clavin? Well, you know, there's no E's in Clavin. No e no, Clavin is always on the ball. There's no E's. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. Uh, try it. It really is good. <coughs> also, tomorrow, oh, today, today is the, the conversation. We have the conversation today. That reminds me, gosh, it's also mailbag day tomorrow. All right, so today is the conversation. So today at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Pacific, Ben Shapiro will be on live to be, and you can ask him questions if you are a subscriber. So subscribe today and you'll be part of this hour-long Q&A with Ben. You can ask him questions about anything you wanted to know. Ben's conversation will stream live on the Ben Shapiro Facebook page and the Daily Wire YouTube channel, and it'll be free for everyone to watch, but only subscribers can ask the questions. So to ask questions as a subscriber, log into our website, dailywire.com, head over to the conversation page to watch the live stream. And after that, you can just start typing into the Daily Wire chat box where Ben will answer the questions posed in the mellifluous tones of Alicia Krauss. Once again, subscribe. It's a lousy 10 bucks a month, 100 bucks for the whole year. Subscribe to get your questions answered by Ben Shapiro today at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Pacific. Join the conversation and then... Then, if you want my answers to your questions, which are much, much better, trust me on this, just go on dailywire.com, hit the podcast button, go to the Andrew Claven podcast. There's a mailbag sign, you hit the mailbag. Send in your questions today and I will answer them tomorrow. My answers are guaranteed 100% correct and they will change your life on occasion. For the better, we have Christian Toto coming up. Come on over to the dailywire.com and you can hear the interview. All right, Christian, are you there? I'm here. All right, because we don't have you on visual today. I don't, I don't know. They said they said you looked green. I told them that's just the way you look. <laughs> <laughs> I'm auditioning for a Herman Munster reboot. So, <laughs> so I, I didn't mention, but I will mention that uh, Christian has a website called Hollywood in Toto. It's just spelled the way it sounds at uh, Hollywood in toto.com. It's an excellent movie site, one of the very few knowledgeable conservative movie sites. You can find them on Twitter at Hollywood in Toto. And uh, it's always good to talk to you because you're one of the few conservatives who actually know something about the movies. So it's, it's I always appreciate it. So I, I want to ask you about your this excellent piece you did about the sense of decency in Hollywood. But before that, I think we should just talk briefly about the Oscars. Did you watch the show at all? You know, people say, oh, you review films for a living. How cool is that? I say, yeah, but I have to sit through the Oscars each year. Each year it gets worse and worse. And I think this was the all-time low, just from a pure lack of entertainment point of view. But I have to say, the fact that Shape of Water, which is a 
nice movie, but nothing more, won the best picture. You know, it is sci-fi, it is weird, it is romantic, it is bizarro. So I give the voters a little bit of credit for kind of going outside the Oscar mold. It's not a biopic. Hmm. It's not a message movie from you know a, a sheer standpoint. So, But otherwise, just, you know, listen, we knew all the awardees would win. Right. We saw the 16 other awards celebrations. And uh, it was woke on steroids. I mean, I couldn't believe it was almost a parody of what you feared the Oscars would be. And I, I just sat there. My mouth was agape. They, they, they have become a parody of themselves. It, it is wonderful. I mean, I was playing earlier uh, before you came on. I was playing that Hillary Clinton thing about uh, how awful all the people who didn't vote for her are. And they really <laughs> they really are living in that world. They're living in the world who are everywhere and everyone who disagrees with them. Uh, is basically evil. I mean, it has not occurred to them that people might have good and, and uh, fully reasoned arguments against what they stand for. You talk about, you wrote this article. Let me let me read. I'm just going to read just a very brief bit from this article about Hollywood losing its sense of decency. This is at hollywoodintoto.com. Confrontational, condescending, dismissive, sometimes even hateful. So much of what we hear out of liberal Hollywood these days is invective we wouldn't expect from anyone in our lives, friend or foe. Yet it's coming from folks whose very livelihoods depend on us supporting them. We indirectly pay the, their bills and they can't stop insulting large swaths of us. So let's start with this. Give me, give me some examples of what you're talking about. Well, you know, let's go with a couple. You know, a lot of times it's based on Twitter. And I think that Twitter has been a horrible <laughs> thing for actors because Listen, they can they can spread the word about the new projects. I get it from a marketing point of view, but it really does kind of pull the curtain aside and let them let us see who they really are. You know, Bette Midler saying she wished uh, Rand Paul's neighbor, you know, returned fire, so to speak, <laughs> just so he wouldn't vote on the, uh, you know, the on the budget. Uh, you know, uh, John Cusack calling the GOP a death cult. Uh, you know, just absolute hatred from stars atop. One after the other. And then there's, of course, this, the media quotes like Jennifer Lawrence saying she wants to throw a martini in Trump's face. Robert De Niro can't stop saying he wants to punch Trump in the face. Uh, you know, SNL Saturday Night Live saying that not just Trump is a racist, but his fans are racist, too. It just goes on and on and on. Johnny Depp saying, wouldn't it be interesting if an, another actor took out a president? I, it, it's an unbelievable array. And this is after the Sarah Silvermans and the Louis C.K. Whatever happened to him, by the way, uh, called <laughs> Trump Hitler. Right. It goes on and on. And I mean, I I have a special list on Twitter for all the celebrities and reading it is brutal. It's hate. It's invective. Ron Perlman has gone off the rails. The great actor from Sons of Anarchy right. is so anti-Trump. It's just you could just see it consuming his soul. And I'm thinking, you know, there are good people in Hollywood, but they're getting drowned out by all these really nasty voices. And it doesn't seem to occur to them, as you say, they are dependent on us for their livelihoods. It doesn't seem to occur to them that when you call Trump Hitler, that's calling us, the the German people, when they had become Nazis, it's basically calling every all his supporters Nazis. What? Why? What's going on? What? what when did they lose? How did they lose their sense of proportion? And how did they lose their sense that maybe they were here to entertain us? Trump broke them. I think it's plain and simple. I think they expected another, you know, another four years of Obama-like policies. They wanted to get Hillary Clinton installed. It didn't happen. And it wasn't just any old GOP president. It was Donald Trump who offends them on so many visceral levels. 
I mean, I think it's the same thing that's happening with journalism. J Trump broke journalists. There are people who you used to like, you used to respect. You would say, you know what? They, I don't know if I agree with them all the time, but you know, they, they kind of bring their they bring their uh, their views to you in a very responsible, sober way. Now it's off the rails, and I think the same thing is happening with Hollywood. They haven't bounced back. It's been well over a year. It's time to kind of you know put your kids to bed, go to work, punch the clock. And get things done and stop obsessing about the news cycle 24-7, but they can't. They can't do it. You know, You know. Bill Whittle uh, has this comment that, that movie stars become famous uh, playing conservatives, and then they go weirdly liberal. So in other words, they, they, are fam they become famous by playing police officers, by playing soldiers, by playing kind of conservative icons, people who use guns. And then suddenly it's like, oh, we hate the military, we hate the police, we hate guns. Do they, how, do they never, I mean, they're supposed to be actors. They're supposed to involve themselves in their roles. Does nothing rub off on them? Is there no way? Why have they lost their connection with ordinary people, with their audience? I mean, besides, besides yeah. Trump, what, well, how did they lose contact with us, the rest of us? Well, it's a couple of interesting things. One is if you had an actor and he or she was cast as a monster, a villain, a serial killer, the first thing that actor will tell you is, I know he or she is a horrible human being, but I needed to get into right. the soul. I needed to empathize with this character. They don't seem to be able to do that with their audience, and that's amazing to me. <laughs> but, you know, the answer, I think, is simple, even though it's cliched, is the bubble. They live in a life where they get all their views sort of, uh, you know, mirrored back at them. They don't get opposing views. And I think a great example of this is Jennifer Lawrence, who, when she broke onto the scene, she was beautiful, she was talented. She was like the girl next door. She was mm -hmm. kind of, aw shucks, you mean I'm a movie star? This is an Oscar? You're giving this to me? She was wonderful, she was refreshing. And now she is so incredibly full of herself in just a few short years where she thinks she has to pontificate on politics to be to to change the world. She thinks she's going to change the political system. Meanwhile, when you listen to her speak, she's not very bright. Ooh, she's, she's an actress. actress. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I take nothing away from her ability. She's, I thought she was very good in Red Sparrow. But I think there's a, a good example of how things change and how things change so quickly mm. is that they're in that ecosystem and nothing else it, it can kind of penetrate that bubble. Yeah. She, she also does a nude scene in Red Sparrow, so I forgave her for everything. I, I'm, I'm, a simple, I'm, a, I'm a simple, shallow man, Christian. I, uh, now, there's this new thing going on in Hollywood, and the Oscars are a perfect example of it, where Will Smith didn't get nominated for a picture nobody saw. Uh, his wife said, oh, it's because he's black, which is absurd. He was the last, until that moment, he was the last star in Hollywood. And, and now this uh, quota system has taken hold. And I know that agents are now getting calls. Oh, we need a black female writer. We need, you know, a woman director for this. We need a black star for this. They, they have to have, even they were talking about this what it was a diversity rider or something like this, where you have to have uh, diverse people instead of hiring people for their talent, you're hiring people for the color of their skin. It seems to me that that is death to art. I mean, am I, am I wrong? Is that going to destroy what's left of the movie business or is that, or am I overreacting? I think it's a, a, an overreaction slightly, but I do agree. You know, for every Ryan Coogler, who's a terrific director, he's behind Black Panther and Creed, and he happens to be black, there are going to be other directors of color who maybe don't have that skill set. Right. So when they're handed a huge project, if it fails, then Hollywood goes, oh, we, we tried the diversity thing. It didn't work. Instead of being genuinely open to all people, all genders, and saying, hey, we want the best of the best, 
they're going to kind of go this other route. And I think it's going to hurt the product and hurt kind of the connection that they have with their diversity mission because they do have problems. If you look at how many women direct films, it's a very, very small number. There are issues in Hollywood that need to be addressed. But going this path, I think, is going to be damaging to the mission. Because it is interesting. Like during the 70s, this new crop of stars came up, Dustin Hoffman and Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, who, who looked suddenly different. They looked like the people who had immigrated uh, during the first part of the 20th century. But they, it took them a long time to start to have stars who looked like Italians, who looked like Jews, who looked like didn't look like blonde you know, uh, uh, wasps. But eventually they came up, and it wasn't because they said, you have to hire us. It was basically because they, the times changed and their talent overrode any, everything. I, I just think, you know, it's funny. If, if they would stop thinking that we're all racist, they would stop uh, pushing themselves in our faces. It, make, it makes you uh, upset when they say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hire this guy because he's black. Then you think, yeah, well, I'm not going to go to your movie because I'm white. How's that sound? You know? <laughs> I think if they would just let these guys rise on their natural talents, it would actually happen. All right, let me, I, I got to go, but let me ask you, if, is there anything coming up that uh, you're looking forward to? Well, you know, a couple of movies out now, I was pleasantly surprised by one was Game Night with Jason Bateman, huh, okay. a very funny black comedy. It it gets silly toward the end, so expect that. But I laughed a lot, some good, solid lines. Also, Death Wish. I was really kind of dreading that one because I just thought it was it was pushed yeah. around the schedule a bit. You know, does Bruce Willis still have it? And he does sleepwalk through the first third of the movie, <laughs> though I think it's maybe a creative choice. But yeah. it is a crowd pleaser. I saw it in a theater, and the crowd had a visceral reaction to some of the vigilante antics. So listen, you know, ignore the 99% of liberal critics who lost their minds. They went nuts, yeah. Blasting the film. It is a genre movie, and as such, it's quite good. So check out that as well. All right, thanks a lot. Christian Toto at HollywoodInToto.com or on Twitter at HollywoodInToto. It's always good talking to you, Christian. I'm sorry we're out of time, but uh, you'll come back. No worries. All right, thanks, thanks. so much. Thanks a lot. All right, sexual follies. So uh, there's an article out, I think it was on a, it had some weird title of the website, but it was called 100 Easy Ways to Make Women's Lives More Bearable. Because women's lives are so unbearable. And it's by Danny Beckett, Danny Girlspell, D-I-N-I Beckett. You know, I was going to do a whole funny article about this, but my daughter beat me to it. So if you want to read her take on it, it's Faith Moore over at PJ Media. She she went on against about this. But I have to I have to read this because it's everything that is wrong with feminism packed into just this little angry, nasty, mean article from Danny Beckett. She says, every year I wake up on March 8th to a flurry of tweets from men wishing me a happy International Women's Day. Oh, I forgot to send that one. Mm, I don't I miss so she didn't hear from me this year. But she says, and every year I find myself thinking, well, thanks. But is that it? Is that all the support for gender equality that you can muster for the entire year? And then she goes on and gives you a hundred ways to make women's lives more bearable because I, I think she's British, but I know in Britain and America, women's lives are just so unbearable. It's unbearable to be female. So here are her, uh, some of her suggestions, uh, possibly with some of my answers. Uh, number one, before explaining something to a woman, Ask yourself if she might already understand. She may know more about it than you do. See, Danny, let me explain this to you. This is why women don't know anything, because they get offended when you explain it to them. Number two, never, ever try to explain feminism to a woman. I wouldn't try to explain feminism to anyone because it's completely irrational. Three, trans women are women. Repeat that until you perish. 
Danny, Cutes, love, love. Let me explain this to you. Please sit, listen. Saying something false over and over again doesn't actually make it true. That just doesn't happen. You probably don't know that because you're a woman. Four, respect people's pronouns. It's not hard. My response to that is, ah, shut up. Five, remember, remember that fat women exist and aren't all trying to get thin. Treat them with respect. I do treat them with respect until, you know, they're not looking. Six, in fact, just never comment on a woman's body. Danny, you are cute when you're mad. <laughs> Here's another one. If you read stories to a child, swap the genders. Yes, because it's really fun to turn your children into, a, into psychopaths. Trust women when they teach you something. Don't feel the need to go and check for yourself. Especially, do not Google it in front of them. See, that's women hate when you prove they're wrong because they're irrational. As, finally, examine your language when talking about women. Get rid of words like irrational, bossy, and badgering. Danny, I can make your life more bearable with one piece of advice. Stop being like this. You're irrational, bossy, and badgering. You're totally, and you know, this is, this is what is wrong with feminism is they hate the way men behave. So they imitate the way men behave and they think it's okay because they're women. They, they look at men who are aggressive and arrogant and overbearing and nasty and they say, oh, well, I'm a nasty woman. I'm an overbearing woman. I'm strong. I'm a You're a jerk. You're a jerk. It doesn't matter. A man acts like that. He's a jerk. You act like that. You're a jerk. Your life would be much more bearable and people would like you a lot more if you'd stop talking to them like that. All right. The mailbag is tomorrow. Like I said, hit the uh, go to the dailywire.com. You have to be a subscriber, but you want to subscribe anyway so you can get to the conversation with Shapiro after you do that. Hit the uh, podcast button at thedailywire.com. Go to my podcast. Hit the mailbag button. Ask your questions. Answers guaranteed 100% correct will change your life on occasion for the better. I want to go out with the uh, song from the crazy ex-girlfriend. I play this in honor of Danny over at her website, whatever it's called. This is called Let's, a little song. It's very funny. It's called Let's Generalize About Men. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. I'll see you tomorrow. Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover.
Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. And their animations are by Cynthia Angulo and Jacob Jackson. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire forward publishing production. Copyright forward publishing 2018.